You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your own authority, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. You know, I get a, uh, and we're going to get to the calls in just a couple minutes. I get a lot of questions about becoming an owner operator. That's obviously a big thing in this industry. You know, we have all the lease purchase programs, and I think most of the listeners know how I feel about those. That's a losing deal. Even when I find a, a relatively good lease purchase deal, and there aren't many, and I say relatively good because I don't think any of them are really good. Um, even when I find one that's okay, it's still not a good idea because most people are, are signing that deal for all the wrong reasons. The primary reason people do a lease purchase is because they have no money and no credit. Let, let's be honest. If you had some cash, and I'm not talking about a lot, $10,000. Now, I know for some people that have never saved money, $10,000 sounds like a lot. But it's really not if you're going to be in business. I mean, $10,000 is just a start. So I I will tell you that if saving $10,000 is too big of a task for you, if that's too daunting, if you just can't do it, then you don't belong in business. Honestly, you are going to fail. I will tell you that right now. Now, does that mean you have to save $10,000 to succeed? No, um, you can do it without it, but it really changes the odds. And I want people to have the best chance at success. So many people fail at either lease purchase programs or becoming an owner operator. And I want to help people succeed at that. And, and you can, you just need a plan. And that's the problem with these lease purchase deals. Nobody has a plan. It's too easy. You show up at the terminal one day, they have some trucks there, you sign the paper, all of a sudden you're an owner operator, but you don't own anything. You are renting that truck. They even use the word lease because it sounds better, but you're renting that truck. You have no legal rights to it. And whether the deal was any good or not, most of them are just horrible. Even if it was okay, you're probably not ready to be in business. So I want to help people get into business the right way so that we can increase their odds of success. I'm working on a a couple courses. We'll be releasing those um, throughout this year. That's kind of my goal this year is to get more online courses built, some short, some long. Um, This is one of the topics. We already have a program, um, and and I want to 
also replicate that program online. Right now it's a physical product. So you get the audio CDs that you can listen to while you're driving. You get a workbook. You get checklists. You get some videos. Um, that is currently available. That's in our store at letstruck.com slash store. Um, it's called Stop Holding the Steering Wheel and Start Driving Your Business. And I wrote it for one very specific reason, to be able to buy your first truck and do it right and succeed the first time. That's what the program is all about. And it gives you every step. It gives you checklist. It gives you a plan. It shows you exactly what to do. You can get that today. It's available in our store. Um, but I'm also going to be creating that as an online course as well. I'm working on that right now. Uh, but again, you can go to the store and get the physical copy of that product today. And we're also working on following up on that program with two more. So kind of a progression of the way you might want to move your business and move through the industry. So the first step is buying that first truck and being successful, getting through that first year of business and being successful. We already have that program. The second program is a lot of the stuff that I teach at the CMC and have been for years. And this is, you know, survive that first year, get through it, get your accounting down, get your numbers in order. In the second year, or maybe even sooner for some people, we really start focusing on maximum profit. And we focus a lot here on being leased to a carrier and achieving maximum profit. That's step two. And I'm working on creating that program outside of the CMC as well. You can get all of that information at the CMC, but I'm also working on a program to do that on your own. And then the third step, which we're going to be putting a lot more focus on. And that's why a couple years ago we started our podcast. It's all about becoming a carrier, getting your authority, building relationships with brokers, getting your own customers, maybe eventually adding trucks or leasing on other owner operators. That's the next evolution. And we're also working on programs to help you with that. But we do have our podcast. We have Kenny Long, who does Trucking with Authority. We have Rico, who's doing uh, Rates and Lanes. I'm going to be adding a new podcast about working with brokers. And the CMC, we have a lot of that information. So what we've created is education and tools to help you move all the way through the industry from buying your first truck all the way through to building a fleet and having customers. It's what the CMC is all about. And we're, like I say, we're working on more resources to help you with those things on your own as well. And the ultimate way to get this, to really learn this stuff is to go through the program, then come to the CMC and do the more intensive business training. So, um, Stay tuned for all that. We'll be releasing a lot of that material this year. If you have any questions about any of those things, we can certainly talk about it here on the show. And if you have any questions, um, it's tax time. We can certainly help you with taxes and accounting. We have the CMC coming up. We have all the programs in the store and the products. Um, we have our fuel gauges. Whatever you may have a question about, we have an awesome Tribe Care team 
So give them a call. I'll give you a second to grab something to write with. They can help you out with whatever you whatever you need. 855-800-FUEL. 855-800-3835. All right, we're going to get to some phone calls. We're going to head off to Illinois. Randy, welcome to the program. Hey, Mr. Rutherford. I appreciate you uh, allowing me what I believe to be a very important issue within our industry. I have, uh, first, I just want to say that I've been a commercial truck driver uh, for over 16 years. And, you know, you know, back when I started versus today, you know, technology has moved very fast. And, yeah. you know, comp- trucking companies have spent a lot of money, you know, basically securing their network, preventing uh, cargo theft, and, and dealing with the possibility of using our equipment for terrorism. I mean, these are hot topics all over the industry, have been for many years. But my concern is there's, there's with social media and platforms, you know, really what good is it? when a company spends all this time and money securing their networks, when a driver with a click of a button can now take that security and make them vulnerable. And, and what I'm talking about, there's, there's a company, they've been going around to at least a few truck shows that I'm aware of. They're also promoting this uh, platform on social media like YouTube. And they've, got, they've even got like what I call YouTube truck drivers. I'm sure you've seen these guys. You know, they're, yeah. they're also promoting this. And what it is, it's a company called Trucker District. And basically what it is, it's a, it's a social media platform like uh, Facebook or Twitter. You know, you could, you, it's free. You know, you, you sign up, you download this application, and, you know, you begin to add threats like any other social media. So, so you know, you add your friends, your family, or, or anybody, you know, you, you, you might unwillingly add somebody who might not truly be your friend, like let's say a, a cargo terrorist theft, you know, somebody that actually wants to, to maybe be able to see your GPS location. Because, I mean, I've got friends on Facebook. I mean, I've got some people on there that are in trucking, but I've not actually ever met these people. So, really, I don't know these people. I'm just assuming that they are who they say they are. But right. if I download this application and, and allow the GPS location, now what it is is, Basically, you're, you're looking at like a Google map, let's say, a USA map, and you can actually see where hold this that truck th- is. Yeah, hold that thought. An interesting topic. We're going to talk about it more right after this break. So don't go away. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is questions from the audio road. We're taking your questions and answering your calls. And we were talking with Randy in Illinois. Randy, go ahead. Yeah, so, you know, I was basically describing what this platform of a trucker district is targeting towards our industry in specific. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's like any, any other social media, you know, once you've, allowed, you know, once you've added somebody as your friend, uh, and, and, and there is that option to, to allow or not allow the GPS location, but with the click of a button, you would basically, on a, on a live, like, Google-type map, somebody could see exactly where you're going, you know, similar to, like, a family app, you know, which... Yeah. The ones that I yeah. see family apps generally are password protected, that sort of thing. But, you know, so, so like, let's see if I've got all my friends, you know, I, I can, I can just see them. Hey, oh, there's Bob over there. He's in the Carolinas today. And John, he's up there and he's already down there in Florida. And, and, and then it actually has a, an, an option, uh, a satellite option, you know, like Google Earth. You could zoom in and actually see this, you know, equipment sitting, let's say the shipper receiver or a truck stop. Wait, wait, and wait, I just, wait, wait. Wait, wait, you know, hold okay, on. You know, there's, you know, oh, 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 okay. Stop a second. I, I don't think that's correct. I, if this is correct, I'm shocked. I did not think there was any application in the world where you could access live satellite. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe I've missed that somewhere. But Google Earth is nowhere near live. I mean, most of the images you're looking at are years <laughs> old depending on when they mapped that. But now I'm not saying you're wrong and I'd love to know this, but I'm not aware of anywhere that you could access live satellite video so that you could see in real time. Is that what you're saying you can do on this? Well, let me, let me clarify that. Basically, if you click, let's see if I'm trying to zone in on on my friend here, Uh, but you know, the, the GPS coordinate on the map, would be the, the the live would be the live you know like yeah, a, but I'm a, not, this specific I, location now what, i'm not going to see him stand out there and wave at me i'm not going to see his truck in no, that location. no 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 okay yeah no, okay no no, no. no but with, with the fact with, 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 so so if i'm looking at the the, the the particular let's say driver equipment and i want to zoom in i would just basically be in the the old the satellite image which yeah like you said it, it might be a year or two old but it would definitely show it would give the, the viewer an idea. Hey, is this guy sitting at a shipper or receiver or a truck stop? Yeah. The image it's, itself might be old, but, but, but yeah, in a sense, it, was, it would show you the location where he's currently at. Just to give you an idea. And I don't know if this is still current or not. It was not that long ago. If you look up Harris casino in Kansas city on, on the satellite image, the image that was there, and it may still be, was actually taken a couple of years ago during the CMC. So you do actually see all the people. You see our RV there in the parking lot. And that was from a couple of years ago. So that's normally what you're seeing on a satellite is older pictures. And it just depends. Some some stuff might be a week old. Some stuff might be five years old. Right. Just depends. Okay. So right. we, and, and so, yeah, this is now I, I do have one question on this particular platform. If I have 20 friends, whatever I might have on there, can I individually choose who I want to see my location or is it just global? I either turn on my location or I turn it off. That, that, that I don't know. I mean, it, it, this, uh, the system, 
you can find out some information about the system with, with what little information that they are putting out, but it's the information is very limited in regards to that. Okay. I, I've actually got uh, Aaron, who does all of our IT and website work. He's actually working on the site now to see what he can find out about it. Yeah, and, and there's they're also they, – they put out some YouTube videos of where they're – you can actually – they'll actually show just for brief moments what the platform looks like, and that's has basically how I was able to gather the information that I have already. Like I said, okay. the information they're putting out is very limited, but – but they do show some things where I was able to see the, you know, the satellite option and being able to zoom in on somebody, that sort of thing. But, yeah, but that's, okay. that's my concern is, you know, with the click of a button, you can, you can, you can't, you'll, you'll show whoever you've got added as your friend, you know, where you're at, whether you're traveling down the interstate or what state you're in. I, I just, I think of an industry that is trying to battle with cargo security theft and, and, and terrorism. I think platforms like this is dangerous. That, 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 and and I, all I'm trying to do is bring awareness to this and just to at least get people talking about the threat that it could pose on, on our industry. That's, I, I, I can That's agree with opinion. that. Yeah, I can agree with that. The okay. thing about the technology is going to move forward, and there is just nothing we're going to do to stop that. I think your idea of education is a great one. Be aware, and, and it's Correct. difficult. Correct. More of I mean, the more and more technology we get, the harder it is to keep up with any of it. You know, you're using, some people are using 30, 40, 50 apps on their phone anymore, and those apps update constantly. And when they update, you don't always know what changed. You know, so it, it is a good idea to be aware of what your technology is capable of and what it's doing. Now, I kind of like these location service type of apps. I mean, we've had it on our plan from day one that our app, which is mostly fuel gauges right now and a couple other things, would have a feature like this, like a find a friend kind of feature, but you would be able to turn it on and off for each individual person. Um, just because we've had requests, people want to know, hey, I'm sitting in this truck stop, how many other listeners you know, that follow your show are here right now. So we've been asked for ways to connect up our listeners and we plan on doing it, but you would be able to turn it on and off individually. Now, if I were a member of a social platform like this and it was global, like I had to turn it on and everybody could see where I was or, or, or anybody who was my friend, I still wouldn't do it because like you said, you tend to add friends. You don't always know who they are. It's not like a friend in real life. Right. Um, but, if, but if I could say, okay, I absolutely know who these five people are. I've met them. They, they are truly friends of mine. And I can let them see where I am without letting everybody else. I'd be okay with that. If it was a global where I either have to turn it on or off, I would just keep mine off. Um, I don't want everybody knowing where okay. I am or not even everybody on my friends list. But you know, this this is just part of our new world, our, our, our new technology, and, and there's a lot of issues. This is one of them, though. Um, we'll check out this site. You know, almost the opposite of this, and, and I know the government has tried a couple times, and, and they're never going to succeed at anything like this, but, you know, there there's I've had the idea that, you know, drivers – with the right tools and the right connections 
can be a great resource for watching out for these kind of things. And like I said, I know the government's attempted this. It's pretty much failed. You know, they wanted drivers to be the eyes and ears on the road. And there was a campaign, but it didn't really go anywhere. It would be interesting to have some sort of technology and build a network of drivers that were almost like, uh, you know, observing what and reporting what might be going on. All right, I am going to, let's see, we've got time. We're going to start another call here. Let's go to Massachusetts. Everson, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I want your opinion on all my truck I am looking at. Um, I'm interested in buying it. Um, it's a 96 FLD. Uh, it's a DDAC2. Um, originally had only 430 uh, horsepower, but I pulled the um, the V number on the uh, rig dig, and okay. it comes up as 470. Um, the differential ratio, uh, the gear ratio is 370 on uh, on a 10 speed. Um, how is that combination for fuel mileage? This is a. How much do they want for this thing, by the way? Um, I'm, I'm getting for about 6000 Oh, yeah. Um, this is hard to beat. Um, this is one of those just pure practical trucks. This is a moneymaker. The FLD is a pretty simple design. It was around for a long time. The interior on the FLD holds up way better than the Century in Columbia. So I, I like the interior on the FLD. Um, the The... Probably one of my favorite engines was the D-Deck 2. The 3 had some improvements, but I had some D-Deck 2s that just got awesome fuel mileage. It's a simple engine. Um, the fact that it's this low mileage, um, and, and you verified that mileage is correct? No, no. Um, I think the mileage must be high. Uh, it's, oh, okay. I, I have no clue what the mileage is. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I was asking if the uh, gear ratio of 370 on a 10-speed, if yeah. that works well or, or not. Yeah, let me, um, let me get to a break. I'll come back and I'll address the horsepower, the 430, 470, and then we'll talk about the gear ratio. But th this is a moneymaker. This is just one of those trucks you can't go wrong with. You know, you could buy it for 6000 and make a ton of money with it, part it out, and probably get your money back. But we'll talk about that more right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
the website is letstruck.com. We're going to go back to Everson. So Everson, the 430, that was the, the most common setup for the D-Deck 2. And you could set it up a couple different ways. You could set it up as a straight okay. 430. You could set it up as a straight 470. Or you could do a split horsepower, which was 470 on the pedal, but 430 on the cruise. So that you had the additional horsepower when you when your foot was on the pedal and you were going through the gears, and once you set the cruise, the the truck would limit the horsepower to 430. It was supposed to be a fuel saving thing. So that's pretty common okay. to see that setup. I wouldn't worry about that. If I were going to spec this truck, this is probably the way I would do it. I would either I would either have 370s or 390s, depending on how fast I was going to drive, or 264s or 279s if I had a 13-speed. But with the 10-speed, these would probably be the gears I'd pick. I mean, this is my last truck was, uh, you know, very similar to this, and I had 390s instead of the 370s. But either one of those, just fine. This is just a moneymaker. You can't go wrong for $6,000. Okay, well, I'm thinking about buying for six thousand and uh, doing complete overhaul on the engine. Do you think it's a waste of money for the just to be safe? Oh no, absolutely not. No, I, I would do. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Now I would drive it and see if it needs an in frame. I mean, if it's getting good fuel economy, okay. it's really good. It's not burning a lot of oil. Then I wouldn't touch that engine. If it needs it, then okay. absolutely. You know, I have no problem. And and I would even go to the high end side of an in-frame. If we're going to get in there and tear it apart, let's do it right. So I, I'm not going to go spend 15000 on an in-frame. I'm going to spend twenty five or thirty, And even on a truck like this. Oh, yeah. My so, idea is, yeah, I'm thinking about getting the block out of the, uh, uh, the truck and, uh, you know, yeah, recondition the block and put everything new back yep, there. Yeah, yeah. Do an auto frame here. You know, we, we did a project once where we, the idea was we were going to take a less than $10,000 truck. We were going to completely recondition it. And we set a budget of about 75,000 and people said, Oh, that's insane. Why would you ever spend that on an old truck? Well, why not? Because for 75,000, the end result was like a new truck Um, in, in many ways better. So I, I don't have a problem putting money into an old truck because they make money for us. It's a good investment. Okay. That will make my decision. Thank you very much, Kevin. You're welcome. Let's head off to West Virginia. Ronnie, welcome to the program. Rob? Yep. What's on your mind today? I have a question about the rings. When will they seat once you do it in frame? I had an in-frame done, and I'm approaching a, uh, close to 24,000. I'd say about 23 and a half, and I seem to be still using quite a bit of oil. And it's a um, Detroit 60 series. How much oil are you using? Since the in-frame, I just put a gallon in this morning. That makes five gallons in the 20, 23 and a half thousand. You're putting in a gallon between every four and 5,000 miles. That is excessive, and we're getting to the point that I would start to worry. You know, it, it, I, if, if, 
Yeah, if it keeps going like this much longer, another week or two, um, then there's probably no hope that they're ever going. You know, sometimes we see a lot of oil consumption in the first 15 or 20,000, and then it slows down. But it doesn't sound like yours is slowing down. Who did the info? Well, it did. It did. It did slow down. Uh, the first two thousand, I put a gallon in, and now uh, I didn't keep up with the last time from the other. But I'm just, you know, I've done an oil change because he wanted me to do an oil change after I did the in frame about, you know, two or three thousand to get off the metals and the break in, and then yeah. I'm I'm at almost seventeen thousand since I did that, and we're probably at the three uh, three gallons at the seventeen, almost seventeen thousand. I did the oil change and uh, five all together. It was an individual guy. Uh, uh, I come to find he did the end frame for less than $12,000. But the problem but my, is you may be doing it again, and my guess is he's not going to give you much of a warranty on this. Well, he warranty 100,000 miles on it, so, and I believe he'll stand behind it, but my question is, is I'm going to be down another week or so, and what does he have to do, or is there anything you can do to help him seat, or is just they got to redo it? Nothing. They have to redo it. If, if they don't seat, you're virtually doing – you're not doing the whole in-frame over because I don't know that – obviously, at $12,000, he didn't do much. All we're going to do on this in-frame is go in and just do cylinder kits. You don't have to touch anything else because it's already done. But cylinder kits are still a lot of work. I mean, we, we've got to tear yeah. this thing, put in new liners, pistons, rings, you know, the whole shot. Now, you know, if you do this at Detroit, they have clear criteria because this is it, – it, it happens enough that we have criteria, and Detroit says if it's using oil after an in-frame, they give you a form to fill out, and they have a formula. For every so many gallons of fuel you burn – you know, will allow so much oil consumption. But if it's worse than what, what our standard is, then they'll rebuild it under warranty. So you have to find out what this guy's criteria is. I mean, you may go back to him and say, well, it looks like I'm using a gallon every, you know, 5,300 miles. And he might say, well, then you're on your own. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't know what his yeah. warrant criteria is. You know, all the, the engine manufacturers have very clear. CAT, we just had this question yesterday. Um, CAT is if it uses more than a quart of oil for every 60 gallons of fuel, then they will rebuild it under under the warranty. But if it, if it doesn't use that much, it could still use a lot. But so then they won't warranty it. So I don't you're going to have to talk to him find out what his criteria is but to answer your question there's nothing you can do they're either going to seat or they're not and if they don't you have to go back in and replace the cylinder kits let's go to tennessee steve welcome to the program hey how you doing kevin uh i got a quick question about taxes um i work and i work for ups and I drive, actually, I work 200 miles away from my hometown. Basically, I'm gone during the week, and then I come home during the weekend. My question to you is, for the past four years I've been working there, I've been paying, like, my county where I live at is Hopkins County. 
where I'm working at is Fayette County, but I'm paying Fayette County taxes. Is there any way that I could go back on my taxes like for this year and in the past four years? And I want to pay Hopkins County taxes. I don't want to pay Fayette County taxes. Is there any way I could probably get recompensated when I do my taxes this year for that? Or So, so just, when you say a county tax, this is unusual there are places that have city taxes and school taxes and and that's not the norm so i want to make sure we're talking about the right tax so what state are we talking about we're talking about state of kentucky in kentucky and then you pay so when you go to file your income tax return at the end of the year you file a federal return then you file a Kentucky state return, and you're also telling me you have to file a county return, and you pay taxes to the to the county, the county income taxes. Right, is that right. Y- yes, sir. Okay, but you want to pay to the county you live in, not the county you work in. Yes, sir. Okay, here's what you have to do. I'm not going to be able to answer this for you because these states that have county taxes or city taxes or school district taxes, they all have their own rules. And I don't know what the rules are there in Kentucky. Your your best bet would be to call somebody who prepares taxes there in Kentucky, like maybe your tax preparer would know, to find out what the rules are. They're going to be very clear. The rule is either going to be you pay the taxes in the county you work in or you pay them in the county you live in, but usually not both. And usually you don't get to choose, but sometimes you do. Um, So without knowing the specifics, I'm not even going to attempt to answer. You're just going to have to talk to somebody that does taxes in those areas. Okay. That's what I was wanting to know. I so appreciate it, Kevin. You're welcome. Yeah, I, I, you know, like Ohio, when I lived in Ohio, we had a city tax, which is, you know, it's crazy. You have to file three tax returns every year. Uh, but in Ohio, you could always pay, no matter where you worked, you could pay to your local school district, which I like that idea better. I'm not sure how it works in Kentucky, though. We'll be right back with more stuff. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to some phone calls. Let's go to California. Raphael, welcome to the program. Hey there, Kevin. Well, I'm going underwater. Too much water out here. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, uh, 
<laughs> Isn't it funny? For years, all we've heard about in California is the drought, and all of a sudden, it's over. Yeah, I just don't get California. They're they're in a drought. They're whining, but when they get too much water, they whine. So who gets them? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, you know, on your opening, uh, on your opening there, you know, I started off with a $10,000 truck, uh, pump went out, ruined my whole motor. And I was away from home. Uh-oh, Raphael, you keep cutting in and out on me. I, it, you just keep disappearing. I'm going to put you on hold. I'll see if we can uh, get a better line there. We'll try to come back. Let's go to High Plains. Shannon, welcome to the program. Shannon, anybody there? Hmm. What's going on with our phone lines here? Let's try uh, Chicago. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Gavin. There we go. Uh, go ahead. Does uh, Michelin have ever test uh, one tire in variable sizes so you can see a general difference? No, they, they don't. They or if they do, if they do, they don't publish those numbers. But I, I don't even think they do. I've been down to their testing grounds and I've seen, you know, when they're running the test and. There are so many tires on the market and so many new models coming out, and their testing is pretty extensive, uh, that they only have so much time to test so many tires. So then when you look at all the different sizes that would be available, it just becomes mind-boggling, right. you know, to think about testing them all. I, so they, just, they don't, what they, what they so do is they take the best selling size in each tire. So, you know, on their their newest steer tire, if it has six possible sizes, they will test the one that sells the most tires. It, and that's the number you're going so to get. So you don't even know which size in any tire was tested unless you know which one sells the best. Right. So it's just general uh physics on uh 22 low pros versus 22 uh standards having better royal rolling resistance yeah we do know that for the sure. most part it's not always true but for the most part a smaller tire will have lower rolling resistance and a smaller sidewall will almost always have uh, rolling resistance so a lower profile tire will always have less resistance. And it makes sense because the taller yep. you make that sidewall, the more it can flex. You know, if, if you've ever driven a car with those crazy low, low profile tires, they ride like hell. They're really stiff tires. But that stiffness is what also decreases the rolling resistance and makes them more fuel efficient. Okay. My other question is, uh, I've been getting a lot of cotton mouth because I've been drinking a lot of water. Do you have any suggestions on that? Um, that dry well, tongue sticking to the roof? Yeah, and you say you're you're drinking a lot of water? Yes. I've so, cut out sodas and everything else, so I'm drinking okay, so, a lot of water during the week. I, 
Well, one of the things, the first thing I would look at is cotton mouth is a pretty good sign of dehydration. So I, I would look at, okay. are you really drinking a lot of water? Now, if you were used to drinking sodas and sports drinks and juices, and all of a sudden you're only drinking water, it may feel like you're drinking a lot. But my guess is if you're suffering from a lot of dry mouth, you're actually dehydrated. You probably need to drink more. And one of the things that will help is add some citrus to the water. So squeeze in lemon, lime, okay. orange, grapefruit, any of those citrus, you know, even an orange, a really sweet orange. When you squeeze a little bit of that in water, you're not getting a ton of sugar. So I wouldn't worry about that. But lemon and lime work great. Right. Grapefruit, orange, um, those things. Uh, and Kim just gave me a, another good tip here. Um, salt. Uh, you may want to add um, light balance to your water. So the, the same product that we have in our store, we use in Bulletproof Coffee. It's a combination of salt, um, magnesium, and potassium to keep your mineral levels up. And that will help with your hydration as well. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. You have a nice day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to... Where are we going? We are off to Wyoming. Sean, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you, Kevin, for taking my call. I believe you're the Einstein of uh, trucking there. should go down in history. <laughs> but, well, thank uh, my you. Question is, yes, sir. My question is about, uh, let me give you the history of the truck. It's a Fitzgerald glider kit, uh, 60 series Detroit, 342 gears, uh, 13 speed. Uh, last year, I blowed a head gasket. About six months later, I was coming across uh, Interstate 24, headed home, and the uh, all of a sudden, a big loud bang noise happened. We wound up having to tow the truck in, tore into the motor, and um, the head had blowed a hole. What it was, the piston, had, or the valve, the rod had dropped down, hit the piston, and knocked a hole through the top of the head. And uh, they had another head there in the shop, so we put that on there. And about, I don't know, 6,000, 8,000 miles, they uh, readjusted everything. Well, after that, every time I start down a steep incline now with the engine brake on and the RPMs get over 1,500 RPMs, it, it starts making a real loud clicking noise. Sounds like valves in a gasoline motor, you know, with water in it or something. Yeah. But you yeah. drop the RPM down under 1,500 RPMs, and it does not do that. You got any ideas what would be causing something like that? Uh, I have a couple ideas, but w without looking for them directly, what I would do in this position is I would make sure I was at a shop that I trusted, you know, somebody that I've got a relationship and they, they've done work for me and I know they're going to do a good job, and I would just tear into that overhead. It's going to be something in the top end, valve adjustment, Jake, something um, up there in the top end. And I, I would just find a shop that I trust and let them go in and reset the overhead and see what they find in there. Okay. All righty. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't know maybe where they had used a different head, you know, from the original one that was on it. You know, I didn't know. Be like the first one, like, didn't knock that hole in it, and then the second one didn't match neither. So, you know, 
you know that and and that's why i say a good shop and i you know i'm thinking along the lines of pittsburgh power you'd be surprised at how many shops don't even realize there are multiple models of the series 60 and uh, some of the parts are not interchangeable so if you you know a shop like power they've identified each model they know which part goes with which model they would have a good chance of looking in there and saying hey you know what this head's just not going to work period or there's nothing wrong the head is fine um it's valve adjustment this could even be um you know noises are always hard to figure out but the series 60 is pretty known for breaking the um exhaust uh, manifold and you can get some pretty strange noises out of a leaking exhaust manifold at high RPM. So we might just want to, sure. and we know that's a problem on this engine. Pittsburgh Power has their own manifold just because the factory manifolds crack all the time. So it, it could right. be some sort of an exhaust leak that makes that noise as well. So it, it's going to be something up in that top end. Um, so I, and we're not going to figure it out until we can get eyes and hands on it, but I, I would get it to a good shop and start looking at exhaust manifold turbo, um, and then probably end up taking that valve cover off to figure out what's going on. Let's, uh, let's go to Ohio. Jason, welcome to the program. Yeah, Kevin. I was calling in regards to that uh, guy that was uh, talking with you about that. I believe it was the D-Deck 2, maybe. Um, yeah. Doing an overhaul. Um, it could possibly be a turbo that is causing the oil consumption. I've had a couple different scenarios where it's been the turbo, bad turbo from getting it too hot on, you know, Pittsburgh power box being too high, blowing up the motor, turbo ended up yeah. I'm going to have to cut you loose because the music's playing. I've got to get out of here. You're right. It could be. But I always look for the most obvious answer first if we just had it in front. Still could be the turbo. The more probable answer is that the rings just didn't see. This happened immediately after the in frame. So, but it's certainly something to look at. If we do a blow-by test and find out that the rings are good, then Turbo would be the next possibility for the valve. We'll be, uh, no, we got to get out of here, so we'll be back here next time. Thanks for joining us. Be safe, be profitable, fit and healthy. Always do the hard work. All right. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you back here tomorrow for the power hour and general questions. We'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.